Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Broadcasting to the four corners of the conservative universe, it's the Matlock Show. He loves all things conservative politics, and if there's a microphone nearby, you can bet he'll be the one beating the left over the head with it. And now, a true original, the common sense conservative, here's your host, Matlock. All right, welcome in to the Matlock Show. I am Matlock, your host. So glad for the right this cold Wednesday in, yes, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Back in my home state, born and raised. Um, as you guys all know, I had a little bit of personal stuff to take care of today, and I am not in jail. I mean, that's a good thing, right? I'm not in jail. God is good. I kept my mouth shut. I did what I was told, and life will go on. All right, guys, welcome in. So glad you're here. Lots to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Durham investigation. We're going to talk about Mitch McConnell and the impeachment resolution that is coming tomorrow. We're going to talk about Jeffrey Epstein. We're going to talk about the NCAA and whatever else our heart so desires but do me a great big favor this segment of the broadcast brought to you by let's see go to the matlockshow.com l-o-c-k-e click on that verb forever link it is cbd oil it is fantastic it is good for inflammation it is good for anxiety it's good for your pet there's creams and all kinds of stuff speaking of which maddie's sitting here i've got two golden retrievers on the show today they're sitting at the table here i'm in the basement of my buddy's house here in fort wayne indiana and i got a couple uh, golden retrievers so if you hear some dogs in the background it's just maddie and i don't know i don't know the other dog's name i hate to say that but uh i just don't know but uh head over to the matlockshow.com l-o-c-k-e click on that for forever link and here's what you do if you're a first-time buyer, use Verb, V-E-R-V-E-5-0, and you will get 50% off of your order today. If you're a frequent flyer like me, I buy it for the CBD oil for the dog. I buy it for the cream. You use Verb, V-E-R-V-E-25. You get 25% off your order today. Head over to thematlockshow.com. Click on that Verb Forever link. Do it now. It's fantastic. It will help with your anxiety. It will help with your aches and pains. It will help you sleep. It does all kinds of things. Inflammation. Verbforever.com, thematlockshow.com, Verb 50, and Verb 25. All right. Who would be in the Durham's investigative crosshairs? That is the headline from an article from Breitbart. And by the way, you're only getting this in mono because I'm on the road. I'm actually taping this. I'm, I'm recording this podcast into my laptop in the basement of my buddy's house. So you're only going to get this in mono, not stereo, like you're used to when uh, you're listening at the lock, let's say, studio. But uh, who could be in Durham's investigative crosshairs? Um, I'm going to tell you. Obama-era figures, they're starting to sweat. Now, a number of former high-level Obama administrative officials could fall into the investive crosshairs of U.S. Attorney John Durham's team as his probe into the handling of the Russian investigation rises to the level of a criminal inquiry. Now, we've heard a lot over the past, I don't know, I mean, over the past probably a month, we've heard a lot about this impeachment inquiry. And they're going to have a vote tomorrow, it looks like, maybe. Uh, That's why I brought my stuff on the road. I was going to pre-record all this stuff, but then the Democrats went and decided they might try to do their job, and they were going to somehow vote for an impeachment inquiry. But we've heard a lot about inquiries over the last month or so. Well, now we've got another one, a criminal inquiry that is being led by U.S. Attorney John Durham. And we're finding out that... uh, Some of the Obama-era figures, the higher-ranking officials, well, you might have some explaining to do. Um, The elevation of status means the U.S. Attorney for Connecticut will be able to subpoena witnesses, 
file charges and impanel grand juries. Uh, quote, you do not impanel a grand jury at this point unless you're going to indict a source familiar with the investigation, told Fox News. Durham is at a point where he knows he has crimes. And now the question is, how many people were involved and they have a pretty good idea of that group of people and what the charges can be and whether or not they can get some cooperators or, as we like to call them, flippers. Because somebody's going to sing like a canary. You, you, you know all these lily-livered leftist goons. They're not going to take the fall for their betters. They're, they're not going to take the fall for their betters. They're not going to sit there and go to prison for someone they feel they shouldn't have to go to prison for. So they're going to flop. They're going to flip. They're going to spill their guts. They're going to sing like a canary, whatever you'd like to call it. But you are going to get some folks who are going to cooperate with this investigation. Why? Because they want to save their own ass. I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's human nature. You know, we, we all don't want to go to jail. I don't want to go to jail. I went to court this morning, and I'm telling you, I kept my mouth shut because I didn't want to go to jail. None of us want to go to jail. I don't want to be somebody's bitch. Even though I'm a big guy, I don't know if I'd be somebody's prison bitch. Not that that's for the show here today. But anyway, no one wants to go and be in that environment. So the development has prompted allegations from Democrats that the Department of Justice is being politicized. <laughs> you know, you'd almost laugh if you think these guys were serious, right? You know, because we've watched, and that's Maddie down there snorting. I got, I got the golden retriever in here. I got, I got dogs in the podcast today, just saying. Um, we all have to laugh at the fact that we've watched the Obama administration for eight years politicize the investigative bodies, the DOJ. I mean, you've got Eric Holder running around telling everybody he was Barack Obama's wingman. You've got Loretta Lynch you know, meeting with Bill Clinton on a tarmac in Arizona. I mean, these guys were the epitome of politicizing the Department of Justice. But, you know, the left has the audacity in the, in, in the cojones to say that, you know, the de Department of Justice is being pol politicized. I mean, give me a break. I, I put up a meme over at uh, the Cartel Matt on Facebook. Make sure you find me over there, Cartel Matt on Facebook, at Real Matlock on Twitter, Instagram, and Parlor. Um, but, uh, you know, I put a meme up the other day, and it says, you know, all of a sudden Democrats hate investigations. Because now you, and it's a picture of Durham and of uh, William Barr, but it's amazing how this works, right? So now the Democrats claim the Department of Justice is being politicized. Attorney General Barr says, yeah, guys, yeah, come on. Y y y not the case. We're, we're going to go after the investigators. We're going to seek the truth, and we're going to figure out what happened with this Russian collusion uh, you know, investigation. You know, the FISA warrants, the wiretapping of the Trump administration, uh, Papadopoulos, Carter Page, Manafort, uh, Bill Gates, just to name a few. Uh, you know, we're going to get to the bottom of this. Now, Barr accused the James Comey era FBI of a failure of leadership. Now, I find that interesting because uh, Comey was out the other day, and, and you have to giggle because he's like, well, you know, if Trump wins 2020, I'm thinking about moving to New Zealand. Why? Because there's no extradition? You know, these people, they should be, and rightfully so, should be scared to death. They should be at a point now where they're worried about what may happen to them because, you know, we've got information. You and I know. If you listen to this podcast, which I know you do, we know what Comey, McCabe, Strzok, Page, Brennan, Clapper, we've got a good idea of what they've done. We've got a good idea of the crimes they've committed, and we've got a good idea of how they've tried to cover him up. And we're going to get to this impeachment resolution here that they're supposed to be voting on tomorrow. That's just one more thing that, you know, it's just another cover-up for what their misdoings were. But I, I, I want to get back here. The Bureau leaders and others could well be questioned as part of Durham's probe as speculation runs rampant over who might be at risk of being charged. For his part, Comey was asked about Durham's investigation at the recent Politicon convention in Nashville. He said he's not worried about a single thing in connection with any of the matters under investigation. He says, quote, gather the facts, write a report, and share it with the American people. Please do that, Comey said. Don't drip it out. Don't leak it out. Give it out. And I'm confident that when the American people see the picture of why we did what we did, 
their confidence in the institution will be maintained, restored, and protected. You know, this is pretty good uh, advice coming from a leaker. Now, we're finding out very quickly, by the way, that uh, as we are getting more and more information, that uh, Comey may have doctored his memos. Huh, imagine that, right? Comey may have doctored his memos against one President Trump. Now, I find that not hard to believe. And, and I was on Twitter, and I'm pulling up Twitter here now. I'm working on my laptop, so I hope that this uh, audition is actually still running, which it is good. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm watching, and I'm looking, and I'm, I'm retweeting this stuff, and there was an article that caught my attention. Yeah, right here. John Cardillo. Now, he, Sean Davis from The Federalist said that New York Times reports that this uh, Vidman, the, the, this 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 army guy or, or, or not army military guy who likely who likely leaked secret information to anti-Trump whistleblower tried and failed to alter White House call records to fit the Ukraine narrative. I, I want you to think about that for a second because John Cardillo says the real story here is that an LTC lieutenant colonel attempted to materially edit and alter the words of the CINC POTUS. When that failed, Vindman triggered his insurance policy and likely leaked and spun classified intel, intel to take down the president. The military is now part of the coup. I want you to think about that for a second. A as we start making our way through this, as Durham starts investigating, as William Barr is doing what he's doing, that we see what is actually going on inside of the Democrat Party. I mean, the Democrat Party is breaking every law they can to cover their asses. It, it, it's incredible. It's insane. It's criminal. And now we're learning that Jim Comey may have doctored those memos that he took of his meetings with President Trump. And now he's out at Politicon. Saying, you know, oh, you know, let's get these facts out there. Don't drip them out. Don't leak them out. Give them out. And he's confident, he says, that when the American people see the picture of why we did what we did, their confidence in the institution will be maintained, restored, and protected. Yeah, I don't get that. Comey also praised Durham as someone who has a strong professional reputation and someone he has for years thought was an excellent prosecutor. Now, yeah, the dogs are over here going to wrestle now. Hey, hey. Stop wrestling. See, their dogs are they're making noise. Do you hear them? I can hear them. They're playing with each other. Stop it. All right. So he thinks Durham, Comey says, is an excellent prosecutor. He says, quote, I would hope Mr. Durham will do everything possible to protect his, his reputation from being damaged by those in leadership. And the most important way he can do that is to give us transparency. Come on, stop, stop it. Ah, blah, 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 blah. Come on, knuckleheads. See, these dogs want to be part of the podcast. See, I'll pet you. There you go. I got the widow golden retriever. Stop it. Stop it. Yes, everybody hears you in the country. There we go. All right, so, you know, look. W stop. Stop it. Go, go. Come on. All right, back at it here. See, this is what happens when you go on the road in Indiana. This podcast brought to you by two golden retrievers fighting on the floor behind me. It's kind of a funny deal. Yes, you, you knuckleheads. All right, so Comey says, you know, look, I think Durham is someone that has a strong professional reputation and someone for years thought he was an excellent prosecutor. He says, I would hope Mr. Durham will do everything possible to protect his reputation from being damaged by those in leadership. And the most important way you can do that is to give us transparency. Uh, you know, isn't that funny? Well, Mr. Durham needs to do everything possible to make sure that he stays in the in crowd in Washington, D.C. Is that a veiled threat? I mean, I want you to think about that for a second. Is that a veiled threat? As we sit here and we watch this, well, I think Mr. Durham needs to do everything possible to make sure that, you know, <laughs> that he doesn't damage his reputation, that he protects it. Now, we're hearing that the Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz's forthcoming report, which will focus on abuses of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act in connection with the early stages of the Russian probe, will shed light on why Durham's investigation has become a criminal inquiry. 
Horowitz for more than a year and a half, has been investigating alleged misconduct related to the FISA warrants delivered by the Foreign Intelligence Services Court, Surveillance Court. Now, the Justice Department and the FBI obtained warrants during the final months of the Obama administration in 16 to surveil Trump advisor Carter Page. It is unclear at this point if Page was the only Trump campaign official that the DOJ obtained a FISA warrant against. Now, with regard to Page's FISA application, there was one initial FISA warrant targeting his and three other renewals from the FISA court. Now, the statute requires that every 90 days, a FISA order on American citizens must be reviewed and then re-upped or, you know, re-voted on or resubmitted to the FISA court. Now, former FBI Director Comey signed three of these applications for Page, while former FBI Director Andrew McCabe, former Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, former Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates, and former Acting Deputy Attorney General Dana Bonte signed at least one, according to a House Republican memo filed last year. Now, one source said that it would, be ne- it would be a necessity for Durham to interview the majority of those officials as part of that probe. But, no, of course it would. I mean, you want to talk to the people who signed off on these applications that, w- that got warrants to spy on American citizens. I mean, we're not talking about a little walk through the park here. We're talking about spying on Americans. We're talking about the things you see in the movies. We're talking about the things you watch on television here. We're talking about surveillance. We're talking about getting down and dirty. We're talking about getting to the intimacy of someone's personal life. Of course these people are going to be in the crosshairs. Now, we've we've learned that Durham is very interested in questioning former CIA Director John Brennan and former Director of National Intelligence, James Clapper. Hmm. According to a source familiar with the situation, Brennan has received word from his attorney that he may be contacted by Durham's office, but Clapper has received no such communication at this time. A prominent Trump critic, Brennan continues to go to social media and take swipes at the president amid the impeachment inquiry over allegations he improperly pressured Ukraine to launch politically helpful investigations. Now, after Trump questioned the account of a witness who this week voiced concerns about those conversations, here's what Brennan tweeted. He says, as in previous times of national peril, we rely on our military, diplomats, intelligence officials, law enforcement officers, and other courageous, courageous patriots to protect our liberties, freedom, and democracy. May they stay resolute and strong despite corrupt political headwinds they face. Now, Brennan knows he's in trouble. You know, let's let's just say what this is. Brennan knows that uh, the walls are closing in. Brennan knows that the buck stops with him. Now, I've seen it all over Twitter. No one liked Brennan very much, not even the people that worked for him. Now, because Durham's investigation is focused on a timeline Spanning from the weeks leading up to the 16 presidential election through the spring of 17, former FBI Special Agent Peter Strzok will likely be seen as another key figure. Strzok, on July 31st of 16, officially opened the FBI's initial Russian investigation, Crossfire Hurricane. In a separate review led by Horowitz, politically charged text messages between Strzok and former FBI lawyer Lisa Page came to the surface. Page was also involved in the early stages of the Bureau's Russian probe, and she and Stroke both later served on former special counsel Robert Mueller's team to investigate Russian meddling and alleged collusion with members of the Trump campaign during the 16 election. Now, Stroke's role has also come under question regarding the original interview of former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn. Now, we're hearing about Mike Flynn here. That's the crazy thing. Sidney Powell, good friend of mine, good friend of the show. They're going after this the fbi because we're hearing now that page altered the 302s now a 302 is just the recap the notes of the interview with mike flynn now we're hearing that page had a hand in editing those 302 reports Why 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 do you think that would be so now i've told you about this vindman who is trying to edit records and phone calls. We're hearing about Lisa Page trying to edit interview notes and all that stuff. 
why do you think they're doing this kind of thing? Anybody want to give me a guess out there as to why you think all of a sudden all this information that we're learning about, all these interviews, all of the facts, everything that we know, all of a sudden is now under scrutiny or is being changed or is being edited? You don't like the information? You, excuse me. You don't like the information, so change it? I mean, is that is that what we can take from this? If you don't like what that report says, if you don't like that you can't make the narrative the way you want it to be made, then you're just simply going to change what the information says, which will change the narrative. So we know. We know Stroke and Page have come under question regarding the original interview of Mike Flynn who has later pleaded guilty to giving false statements concerning his discussion with his Russian ambassadors. Lawyer recently alleged that official FBI files on an interview were manipulated. I've, I've, te I've told that to you. Prosecutors have cast doubt on these allegations, though saying in a Tuesday filing, in an extraordinary reversal, the defendant now claims he is innocent of the criminal charges in this case and makes his claim despite having admitted his guilt under oath before two federal judges. Now, I told you this, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, the judge, Sullivan, in this case, tried to give Flynn an out. If, if, if you'll remember going back, he tried to say, you know, are you sure that you want to plead guilty to this? Are you sure this is what you want to do? Because, you know, this is the time now. And, of course, after months, and I heard this really obscene number. I was watching TV, I don't know, a couple days ago. And they were saying that Mike Flynn's attorney fees were $300,000 a month. Now, I want you to put yourself in his situation. The, the government of the United States of America, the FBI, the Department of Justice under Obama, all of these folks, they're after you. I mean, they are after you. You're in court. You're pleading your case. They're interviewing you. You get fired from your job from President Trump because you said you lied about your meeting with Russia. But I want you to think about Mike Flynn's life for a moment. He is spending $300,000 a month on legal fees. Guy had to sell his house. The guy's broke. And I'm going to tell you something, which is completely unfair. The government isn't broke. The government has you and I. The, 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 the government it has unlimited resources. And when they run out of yours and my money, they just go print more. So Michael Flynn is fighting one of the greatest uphill fights in the history of this country. I mean, the guy is just, you, you just, you don't fight the government and win. You know, you, you don't take on the government. That's why you see these people plead. They're like, you know, I would like to have some kind of dignity and some of my money left over because I got I to gotta live the rest of my life. I mean, Flynn's probably what, in his late 60s? The dude's probably got another 15, 20 years on this earth. You know, he needs, he need, he needs to survive. He needs to be able to live. So it's no surprise to me, and it shouldn't be any surprise to you, that he said, you know what, I'm done. You've broke me. I can't fight any longer. I can't win. I know that I can't win. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the easiest way out of this situation. And he did. And he did. We would all do that. I was just in court this morning, and I'm going to tell you, I have fought an uphill battle. And you, you guys all know it. I've told you my story. I have fought an uphill battle for the last 12 years. You know, I've tallied up my legal fees over, I mean, I've been divorced from my ex-wife now going on 18 years. And I've counted up my legal fees. I've counted up my time. I've counted up my travel and all that stuff. In over 18 years, I've probably spent in the neighborhood of $300,000. It's exhausting. It's demanding. It, it, it's terrible. It's disheartening. I mean, it's crazy. And at some point, you learn, and, and this came for me. This came for me about two years ago. I fought like hell. Love my children. I've said the story. Wanted to see my children. Wanted to spend time with them. And the judge says, nope, nope, they don't have to come. And at that point, it finally broke me. I mean, I finally broke to the point where I'm like, you know what? I, I can't do it anymore. I, I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm tired. I'm worn out. 
it seems like the law is not on my side. Or if the law is on my side, it just isn't working. Because time after 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 time, I would just get my I would just get my face kicked in. I'd go into court, you know, and I'd be ready to go, and I'd be like, yeah, the law's on my side. This is what parenting time guidelines say. This is what child support guidelines say. I'm good. And then I would get into court and just get the hell beat out of me, and I'd walk out of there, and I'd be like, how did that happen? Why did that happen? You know, here's the law. Here's this. And sometimes, i got to tell you, sometimes life just isn't fair. You know, we sit here and we look at these these younger generations. And, you know, I'm not going to generalize because I'm not going to do that. But you look at the ge- the younger generations, and, and and a lot of them will say, you know, it's not fair. You know, it's not fair. I've had to deal with this. You didn't have to deal with that, this, that, that, this. No. Look, life isn't fair. No one ever said it was. You know, life isn't equal. You have the equal opportunity to be successful. But that's up to you of, of what you do with it. It's not up to anybody else. It's not up to a judge, your ex-wife, your wife, your significant other, your friend, your mother, your brother, your dad. It's only up to you. But my whole point of all of this is you, as you look at Michael Flynn, I mean, it's very easy to understand why Michael Flynn pleaded guilty. He was broken. He was tired. He, 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 he was tired of getting kicked in the face. He didn't see any way forward. And I'm sure his lawyers were saying, look, Mike, you know, here's the deal, dude. You only have so much money, only so many resources, and the government's going to squash you like a bug. The best case scenario is X. So when we sit here and we watch as these people write these articles and say, well, you know, Mike Flynn pleaded, you know, guilty, and now he wants to go back and say he's innocent. None of well, he was broke, and here we are. And they say this, you know, in an extraordinary reversal, the defendant now claims that he is innocent of the criminal charge in this case and makes this claim despite having admitted his guilt under oath before two federal judges. Also, as part of his probe, Durham has traveled with Attorney General Barr to Italy and had conversations with law enforcement officials in the U.K. and Australia about their investigations, according to multiple sources familiar with these meetings. Now, the team is gathering information from numerous sources, including a number of foreign countries, Justice Department spokeswoman Carrie Kupik said. This week, during an exclusive interview, Barr said that while he's assisting in connecting Durham with countries that could have valuable information, Durham is running the show. Good man. I mean, hire the people that are good, let them do your job, let them do their jobs, and get the hell out of the way, Right? I mean, that's what you got to do, right? Get the hell out of the way. Barr says he's in charge of the investigation. I'm not doing it. Some of the countries that John Durham thought might have some information that would be helpful to the investigation wanted preliminarily to talk to me about the scope of the investigation, the the nature of the investigation, and how I intended to handle confidential information and so forth, Barr said. So I initially discussed these matters with those countries, and then I introduced them to John and established a channel by which Mr. Durham can obtain assistance from said countries. Now, if you listen to the Democrats, you would believe something fishy's up. If you listen to the Democrats, you would believe that something underhanded, something, you know, below bar. And Below bar. You like that pun? Yeah, I'm good. You know it. But it says, quote, Democrats have blasted Durham's investigation, and they've taken their direct aim at William Barr. The Department of Justice, this is a quote, under A.G. Barr, has lost its independence and become a vehicle for President Trump's political revenge, Jerry Nadler said. Adam Schifferbrain said in a joint statement after learning Durham's prom had become a criminal inquiry, if the Department of Justice, quote, may be used as a tool of political retribution or to help the president with a political narrative for the next election, the rule of law will suffer and new and irreparable damages. I mean, come on, seriously. I mean, they know. I'm going to tell you what these Democrats know. They know they're in trouble. They know what they've done. They know the scheming they did. But, you know, they thought Hillary Clinton was going to be the president of the United States. They never thought for a moment that they were going to have to worry about what they were doing. So they broke the rules. They broke the law. They didn't care because they thought, in their minds, they were going to have political cover. Well, now that cover's blown. Now they're all scurrying like rats. And now... 
you're seeing this impeachment deal heat up. I'm going to talk about that here in a minute, but do me a great big favor. Would you please head over to PatriotMobile.com, PatriotMobile.com forward slash Matt, M-A-T-T. They're going to waive activation fee on two of your phones. They've got great customer service. They've got great cell phone coverage. They're great people right in the state of Texas, veteran-led and operated. But you know what? They take a little bit of your money that you pay for that great service. I mean, Patriot Mobile's amazing. I love those guys over there. Lisa's my connection over there. She's the marketing lady. Love, love, love her. She is so, such a good lady. Got such energy and whatnot. So likable, but she's passionate. And I love that about Patriot Mobile. They're passionate about what they do. And they're passionate about this country. They love our individual liberty, freedom. And they go out there and they take a little bit of that money that you pay them for great cell phone coverage and service, and they give it to causes that you believe in, like uh, the NRA or Empower Texans or pro-life-type organizations because they believe that personal responsibility, individuality, and the Constitution are not something that should be spit on or not followed. So head over to patriotmobile.com forward slash Matt. Once again, patriotmobile.com forward slash Matt. Do it today because what are you waiting for? Vote with your dollars. I mean, they're fantastic. They're going to take care of you. You're going to get great. You're going to get great coverage and you're going to get great customer service. Head over to patriotmobile.com forward slash Matt. Do it now. All right. Mitch McConnell. <laughs> well, here's the deal. I'm going <sighs> to, they're supposed to be voting on this impeachment inquiry tomorrow now it's a sham by the way it's nothing different than what they've already been doing it's like they're trying to put the genie back in the bottle i mean the left knows they've royally screwed this up you know they're pissed off because most people in this country understand that they're full of shit i mean l let's just call it what it is right most of us out there most of us hard-working common sense uh middle america everyday people understand that the left are screwing us. They love what President Trump's doing. They love the way the economy is working. They love how low unemployment is. They love that their wages are up. They love the fact that they are doing well. They feel good about the country. They're seeing jobs come back. Their neighbors are doing well. They're doing well. I mean, it's, it, it's hard to mask all of the good news, right? So the Democrats are out there, well, you know, hey, you know, Trump, he colluded with Russia, which... The Mueller report says otherwise. We look at all this stuff, but they're not going to let this go. They can't. And the reason they can't is because the Democrats have zero platform. I mean, when you really look at what the Democrats stand for, it's garbage. You know, I, I saw an article this morning. I was going to talk about it a little bit, but I, I passed it up because I didn't think it was very important. But it, it plays well here. Um, someone, and I don't remember, I think it was John Harwood, asked Bernie Sanders how he was going to pay for his Medicare for all. And he says, oh, no, 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 don't worry about that. Don't, don't, don't worry about that at all because that, that's, I'm not going to tell you now. What do you mean you're not going to tell us now? I mean, here is Bernie Sanders who says he has this plan that's going to take care of, you know, your health care because it's a right. It, it, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a right. You deserve it. I mean, here we are living in this day. I mean, you should be entitled to health care. And so... A journalist actually does his job in the mainstream media. And what happens? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm not going to tell you how I'm going to pay for this. What do you mean? What do you mean you're not going to tell me? Do you even know how you're going to pay? Well, well, right now, I don't need to know. I, I, I don't need to know. I don't need to tell you. You don't need to know. He doesn't know. See, that's the problem here. We're watching all these idiots out there saying that they know all this stuff. I mean, these smarter than us and you and me kind of people. And they just don't know. I mean, this is an article from Breitbart today. Sanders, I don't have to release exact detailed plan on paying for Medicare for all right now. Why not? I mean, seriously. Why the hell not? Do you not know? I mean, it's okay, it's okay Bernie, to say you don't know. Because Bernie said during an interview with CNBC Speakeasy podcast released on Tuesday, 2020 Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders stated that right now he doesn't need to release an exact 
detailed plan of how much more people will pay in taxes under Medicare for all. Host John Harwood asked Sanders, relevant exchange begins at about 20 minutes, it says, if he would be okay with the deficit increasing under Medicare for all. So Sanders responded, we're, we're trying to pay for the damn thing. See, they all like to cuss, too. Have you noticed that? Well, I wrote the damn bill. Who cares? Sanders later stated, we can pay for it. We're paying it now in a very reactionary, regressive way. I want to pay for it in a progressive way. That's my fight. Now, you're asking me to come up with an exact, detailed plan of how every American, how much you're going to pay in more taxes, how much I'm going to pay. I don't think I have to do that right now. Um, yeah, you do. You need to do that right now because you're telling us your plan's going to be amazing. You're telling us this is what we need to be on. You're telling us that this is what's best for us. You, you notice that the Democrats are always short on facts. This impeachment inquiry is, is no different. They have no facts. And now we finally, finally have senators, Republican senators, outside of Mittens and Susan Collins and uh, Murkowski, who have stood up and said, no, 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 we're not going along with this folly. We're not going along with this charade. Mitch McConnell, impeachment resolution falls way short. Make shift a de facto special prosecutor. Now, House Democrats on Tuesday released the text of a resolution they plan on voting on later this week to formalize impeachment inquiry procedures for President Trump. Now, the resolution establishes procedures for open hearings, authorizes the release of deposition transcripts, and outlines how the intelligence community can transfer evidence to the House Judiciary Committee because the House Judiciary Committee is the committee that should be handling impeachment, not the intelligence committee. But what does the left keep telling you? Well, it's classified. It's classified. We need the intelligence committee so that we can figure out what's going on. So now we're seeing a resolution saying, you know what, we're going to try to figure out how the Intelligence Committee can transfer evidence to the House Judiciary Committee. Now, it directs certain committees to continue their ongoing investigations as part of the existing House of Representatives inquiry into whether sufficient grounds exist for the House of Representatives to exercise its constitutional power to impeach President Trump. And for the purposes thereafter, the document reads. The document gives Adam Schiff for brains the lead role in the investigation, which is kind of funny, because I think I, uh, I think it was uh, Kennedy, a uh, Republican from Louisiana. He said, you know, if you turned Nancy Pelosi upside down, Adam Schiff would fall out of her pocket. I think that's hilarious, by the way. If you're not, I think it's John Kennedy, by the way, out of Louisiana. The guy is fantastic, but he's right. I mean, all Schiff for brains is is a little stooge. The dude's a little stooge. He's out in California. He's backed by, uh, I think it's Ed Buck. Gets a lot of money there. The guy that's out there banging men and killing him with opioid overdoses and giving tons of money to the Democrats. I mean, he, literally, these people are stooges. They're just puppets the, to the highest bidder. But Shift is really the puppet of one Nancy Pelosi. And Pelosi's doing everything she can theatrically to keep this thing ginned up in the media. She's not doing a damn thing when it actually comes to any kind of procedure, resolution, formality of any impeachment, inquiry, resolution, whatever the hell they want to call it. It just isn't there. So it directs certain committees to continue their ongoing investigations as part of this inquiry, whether sufficient grounds exist, you know, to impeach President Trump. The document gives Schiff the lead role in the investigation, giving him power to organize the questioning of witnesses. The committee will take over the probe, which until now has been handled by three committees, the Intelligence, Foreign Affairs, and the Oversight and Reform, which is kind of funny because judiciary is nowhere to be found. That's actually the one committee that is supposed to be handling impeachment. Now, the resolution also gives House Republicans the power to request their own documents and testimony. So this brings in the Republicans, which the left doesn't want to do. Now, the funny thing is, I talked about this yesterday on the podcast. I don't think there's going to be a vote. Nancy said there was going to be a vote on Thursday. 
That's tomorrow. But now, Steny Hoyer's like, well, you know, I don't know. We're going to, you know, I don't know if we're going to vote on it this week. Now, I saw an article, uh, I think it was yesterday. You got one of these uh, Democrats that are in what we call Trump states. You know, the red areas where Trump won by a lot, but there are Democratic congressmen and women out there, you know, kind of sweating. Yeah, right here. And, and here's the guy. I want to I want to get after this because it's telling. And I've been saying this from the beginning. There's about 31 Democrats that are in Congress that won districts that are bright red. And, and what I mean by that, they're, they're, they're Trump districts. Trump won those by 10, 15 points. You know, it's a crazy thing. Not ever. Not everybody votes up and down the ticket. I mean, you know, it's not the deal. But House Democrat Jeff Andrew. Now, I didn't know this guy. But uh, he, sing- he signaled uh, yesterday he's not voting for the impeachment bill. He said Tuesday that he will likely vote against a resolution of House Democrats to formalize their secret impeachment inquiry against President Donald Trump, prompting more uncertainty around whether Thursday's expected vote will go as planned. See, here's the thing. I told you yesterday. I think Steny Hoyer knows they don't have the votes. And, of course, Steny is the majority leader in the House. And he, I th- or he might be the whip. But he's trying to whip votes. They're working on these Democrats that are in these bright red Trump areas. And, and they're trying to figure out how they can get them to vote. Yes, because they need them to. I said this yesterday in the podcast. There's like 235 Democrats in the House and like 190 Republicans. So they could easily, all you got to do is pass this with a majority. You just need 218 votes to pass impeachment. So the Democrats could easily do it without a Republican on it. It doesn't need to be bipartisan. But the problem is, if you take those 31 votes away, you're at 204. So now, you only have 204. You've got Justin Amash, who is a moron, but he's went independent. He's left the Republican Party. So there's 205. you got to find 13 of those 31 Democrats to say yes. 13. So just a little less than half. Just a little less than half. They're not going to do it, I don't think. I think that's the problem. I think Steny Hoyer knows it. So asked by NBC News reporter Alex Moe if uh, Mr. Van Drew supports the measure, he replied, I would imagine that I'm not voting for it. Now, Van Drew, whose district President Trump won in 2016, is among roughly a dozen House Democrats who oppose the impeachment inquiry. I have long maintained the position that the impeachment or potential impeachment would not be good for Democrats or Republicans. Now, I want you to think about that because this is Breitbart saying there's at least a dozen of these Democrats that oppose this deal. What did I say? They need about half of these. So they need at least, what, 13 of these 31? And there's at least a dozen that don't, so that leaves us with, what, 19? So you can't have too many people um, leaving ranks and get this done. Now, this guy's in New Jersey, by the way. Not bright red, but in New Jersey. The House announced Monday. It will move Thursday, tomorrow, to determine whether to establish impeachment inquiry procedures into President Trump. Now, the text of the resolution was not immediately released. It is released now. But House Rules Committee Chairman Jim McGovern said it would provide a clear path forward on the impeachment inquiry. It says, however, and this is what I'm talking about, Even before Van Drew's comments, House Majority Whip, that's what he is, Steny Hoyer, has already poured some cold water on the plans to vote for the measure Thursday, telling reporters on Capitol Hill we're going to have to consider whether or not it's ready to go. Which, let me read between the lines for you. We don't have enough votes. That's what this, that's that's what we're saying. I mean, if they had enough votes, they'd vote on it tomorrow. It's not going to get voted on tomorrow. I'm a little irritated because I was going to pre-record this podcast all week so that I could party like a rock star because after this podcast, I'm probably going to go to the bar. I'm probably going to go to the bar, meet up with a few of my buds, have a cold one, 
and talk about toxic masculinity because that's what I do in my free time. And I haven't seen a lot of these guys for almost two years. So there's going to be a lot of stories told. There's going to be a lot of funniness. There's going to be crude jokes. There's going to be some inappropriateness. And there's going to be a whole lot of drinking. But I am recording podcasts today and tomorrow for you. Not doing the TV show, Lock and Low, because I don't have any of my video equipment. But, you know, the great thing with the podcast is I can do it anywhere. Now, I've told you before, this podcast, it's not going to be in stereo. It's going to sound different. And i got to lay in the intro and the outro over it. This is my first time doing this. You're going to have to bear with me. Hopefully it sounds good. But, you know, that's the deal. Now, we've already pre-recorded Beer for Brunch Friday, so we don't have to worry about that. But anyway, I want to get back to this. So this resolution gives House Republicans power to request their own documents and testimony. The document will go to the House Rules Committee for markup before the Thursday vote. So Joel Pollack writes, the measures proposed rule ra- rules raise red flags about the probe's fairness. Here's what he says. The resolution gives authority to the House Intelligence Committee that it never had before and shouldn't have now. The resolution does not provide the minority with equal subpoena power as in the past. (laughs) The resolution waters down minority powers over the release of intelligence transcripts. The resolution does not compel the release of past testimony. The resolution restricts the president's rights to be represented. Following the text release, White White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham issued a statement, and here's what she said. The White House is barred from participating at all until after Chairman Schiff conducts two rounds of one-sided hearings to generate a a bias report for the Judiciary Committee. Even then, the White House rights remain undefined, unclear, and uncertain because those rules still haven't been written. Now, here's what I find funny because, well, it's not funny. Because in impeachment hearings, the minority has the power of the majority. And they get subpoena powers, and the president has the right to defend himself. But in this farcical, moronic world that we live in, the Democrats have written up rules to hamstring the president so they can get their way. Sounds fair, doesn't it? It's not normal. Now, I'm going to tell you, there isn't going to be one Republican that votes for this bill. Not one. It'll be interesting to see how many Democrats want to vote for this bill it's ridiculous if they vote tomorrow i'll let you know i'm going to do a podcast tomorrow about the same time it's about uh, i don't know it's about one in the afternoon here in indiana i'm gonna drop this podcast about three hours but i will tell you i'm gonna do some facebook lives too so as i'm on the road here i'll probably fire up facebook live and talk to all you uh you folks out there and let you know what i'm doing hell i might even do it from the bar you never even know but i'll let you know I don't think there's going to be a vote tomorrow. But there'll be a podcast. The Matlock Show will go on tomorrow, so we're good with that. I'm going to switch gears here. Got uh, one more story. Got about 12 minutes here for the end of this podcast. And uh, I want you to do me a great big favor, if if you would. Head over to Scars and Stripes Coffee. I'm not drinking coffee right now. It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm not drinking my downrange. But scarsandstripescoffee.com, S-C-A-R-S. Great veterans. They employ veterans. They give them an e commerce platform to go out and make money, to be entrepreneurial, to be self-employed, to be the, you know, to be their own boss, to do as their heart sees fit, to be able to guide their own destiny in this world. And I love the guys over there, Chad, the owner, uh, Zach Brown, the man, not the band, love those guys. Um, Their their, uh, link is up on my website, thematlockshow.com, L-O-C-K-E. You can click on that link on Scars and Stripes Coffee. It's great coffee. Go empower a veteran. Right after you hear this podcast, go to scarsandstripescoffee.com. Go order you some coffee. Empower a veteran. Do some great things. Plus, you get great coffee. Scarsandstripescoffee.com. Proud sponsor of the Matlock Show. All right. Last story here. I think this is the last story. I may get into one more. I don't know. It depends on how long it takes me to do this story. But uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Remember that guy? Remember the... Remember that guy, you know, the, the Black Book, the uh, Lolita Express, the Orgy Island, you know, the pedophile, uh, what is it, uh, his little girlfriend, uh, Maxwell, uh, Giselle, Giseline, Giseline, whatever the hell her name was, Maxwell, you remember all that? You know, the little Black Book he had of all these people? Well, uh, we're finding out things that were just, 
are now coming to light. Jeffrey Epstein's autopsy, more consistent with homicidal strangulation than suicide. Now, forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Baden, B-A-D-N, could be Baden, exclusively reveals findings from his investigation into Jeffrey Epstein's autopsy. The body of disgraced money man and sex offender Jeffrey Epstein, who was found dead in his Manhattan federal prison cell in August, bore telltale signs of homicide despite an official ruling that he killed himself. The bombshell claimed by Dr. Michael Baden, a former New York City medical examiner who has worked on high-profile cases during a five-decade medical, medical career, is certain to reignite suspicions that surfaced immediately after Epstein, who was awaiting trial on, factual, uh, on federal sex trafficking charges um, involving underage girls, was discovered dead in a cell. Baden, who was hired by Epstein's brother and observed the autopsy, said its findings are more consistent with homicidal strangulation than suicidal hanging. He noted that the 66-year-old Epstein, get this, had two fractures on the left and the right side of his larynx, his voice box, specifically the thyroid cartilage or the Adam's apple, as well as one fracture on the left hyoid bone above the Adam's apple. Those three fractures are extremely unusual in suicidal hangings and could occur much more commonly in strangulation. While there's not enough information to be conclusive yet, the three fractures were rare, said Baden, who probed cases involving O.J. Simpson, Simpson, John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, record producer Phil Spector, New England Patriots star Aaron Hernandez, and many others. I'm not seen in 50 years where they occurred in a suicidal hanging case. So for 50 years, this guy's been covering suicides, he's been covering stranglings, and he says in 50 years he's never seen the breaks that he currently sees in this Epstein case. Now, Baden, who has examined more than 20,000 bodies and has hosted HBO's autopsy, explained that if a person weighed 120 pounds, and their head weighed 10 pounds, there would be 110 pounds of pressure on the neck at the jaw during a hanging. But if someone put a hand around a person's neck and squeezed, that could double or even triple the pressure on the neck. There were also hemorrhages in Epstein's eyes that were common in strangulation and uncommon, though not not unheard of, in hangings. The forensic pathologist said, the prominent hemorrhage in the soft tissue of the neck next to the fractures is evidence of fresh neck compression that could have caused, that could have caused death. <laughs> Baden stressed his independent study was not complete. The investigation is not completed until all the information has come in. Now, Epstein was found hanging in his prison cell at the High Security Metropolitan Correctional Center in Manhattan, was later declared dead, investigators said. Prosecutors allege that the previously convicted sex offender paid girls as young as 14 hundreds of dollars for massages before he molested them in his home in New York in Palm Beach, Florida between 2002 and 5. He was awaiting trial in federal prison, thus federal agencies, presumably the FBI and the Justice Department, had jurisdiction over the investigation into his death. Now here's the thing. He said it was unknown to him and the Epstein family what work the feds may have done, and what results they might have found. The ligature, or item used to tie something tightly, allegedly was made from a sheet that had been twisted and put around Epstein's neck. Evidence on the cloth material could help prove whether or not someone else was involved in his death. Whoever it is would have had their DNA all over the ligature, he said. We don't have those results yet, he added, saying those results should be reported quickly to give an idea and lessen the speculation. Now, here's the question. Why have those? Why is that evidence not being made public? If there was a ligature, if there was a noose, a rope, a sheet, some form to use to strangle him, don't you think that the investigators would have it? Where would it go? I mean, if he strangled himself, 
in his cell, the ligature would still be in the cell, right? So if no one was in there killing him, strangling him, the investigators would have walked in, found a dead Jeffrey Epstein, found the way that he killed himself, the ligature, and would have it in evidence, correct? I mean, that makes common sense to me, does it not to you? I mean, that makes perfect sense to me, right? So where is it? Because this guy's right. Why keep speculating? What, 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 why, you know, th this could easily get rid of speculation. Now, New York City medical examiner Barbara Sampson ruled Epstein's cause of death to be suicide by hanging. Quote, it appears this could have been a mistake, Baden said. There's evidence here of homicide that should be investigated to see if it is or isn't homicide. Epstein previously was discovered on July 23rd, over two weeks before his death, on the floor of his prison cell with marks around his neck after which he was placed on suicide watch. <laughs> he was taken off suicide watch a week later and put in another cell with a roommate, Baden said, but the second inmate was taken out a few days after that, leaving Epstein alone in the cell. Now, on the day Epstein was found dead, the prison security had experienced a total breakdown in procedure. Does... I, if it smells like a fish and swims like a fish and looks like a fish, it is normally a fish, right? I mean, let's let's just talk about this for a second as we end this podcast for Wednesday. I'm so sick. I mean, people think that we're stupid. I mean, the left thinks that we're just stupid to think that we don't have any reason to believe that there might have been foul play in this whole situation, right? I mean, here you have a medical examiner with 50 years' experience telling you, hey, look, it could have been a homicide. What? That's not what the ME said from New York. Well, you know, maybe that ME was uh, coerced or paid off to say a very certain thing. Okay? So what are you saying, Mr. Baden? Well, what I'm saying is all of the information leads to, and if I just had the evidence, I could tell you one way or another. So here's my question. Where's the evidence? Somebody's got to have it, right? I mean, this should be, this is the way my mind works, and maybe your mind works the same way. You know, if you have a question, normally it's the most simple answer to that question that makes sense, right? I mean, you don't have to try to be convoluted or go out of your way to make things up or go hunting for stuff. Normally, the most simple, an simple answer is the right answer. Almost always. Almost always. And here's the answer to this question. Where is the evidence that was in his cell that we can look at and say, you know what, here it is. There's no DNA on the ligature, so he hung himself. He's dead. Game over. Now we can all stop talking about this and move on. Because you and I both know, I don't think he, I think he was killed. By who? No idea. You know, there are a lot of powerful people that were probably in that little black book of his that uh, were interested in what he may or may not say. Guy was powerful. And in the end, all he was was a pimp. He pimped out these underage girls to powerful men who had money all over the world, and everybody wondered how he made his money. There you go. Yeah, the guy wasn't no investor. He wasn't a day trader. He wasn't anything other than a high-profile pimp for young girls to older rich men. Bill Clinton? 26 times he flew on the Lolita Express. I mean, this is not that hard. If people want to make this a hard deal, it is just not. All right, guys, we're getting toward the end here. Do me a great big favor, if you would. I'm on the road. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. We had the dogs along for today, uh, the Golden Retrievers. I'm going to find out the name of the other dog. One's Gracie. I don't know who the other – I don't know what the other dog's name is. I got in at midnight last night. I'm trying to catch up on some sleep here. I'm going to go to the bar and drink. I did not get thrown in jail from court today. That's a plus. But would you head over at Real Matlock? on Twitter, Instagram, and Parlor, You can find me there. Um, go follow the Cartel Matt on Facebook. I'm working on some marketing stuff there with a company out of Dallas. We're trying to build that up. So if you could do me a great big favor. And then share. Share everywhere podcasts are found. I'm everywhere. Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Apple, uh, iTunes, um, iHeart, just to name a few. So please share. 
I mean, and make sure you check it out. Lock and load, America's Voice News, every day, 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern. Love that. Get the app on your iOS or your Android phone. Um, got some big things coming down the chute here, Beer for Brunch on Friday. Got some merchandise stuff coming. Uh, the October giveaway is still running. You got to go check that out. But, guys, I certainly appreciate it. You know, thanks for hanging out and listening with me. Um, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll see if the Democrats are going to vote, what's going to happen, and everything else. But until then, my friends, the Matlock Show, it's out. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Introducing the Capital One Walmart Rewards Card. Earn unlimited 5% back on everything you buy at Walmart online. It's the perfect card for all your family's hints this holiday season. Like 5% back on the air fryer Grandpa told you about when he fell asleep in his chair. Mm, Didn't fry anything. Or 5% back on the laptop your sister had carolers sing to you. Two turtledoves and a laptop for Carrie. The Capital One Walmart Rewards Card. Earn unlimited rewards, including 5% back at Walmart Online. What's in your wallet? Terms and exclusions apply. Capital One Gen A.